A 737 is on its way to Charlotte when the flight has to divert and make an emergency landing. A Tupolev is doing a leg of its flight when it crashes on landing. What caused these two flights to end so wrong? Welcome back to the Hard Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. And we're back. We're back. And it's Christy's birthday. Yeah. It is. It's Christy's birthday today. So, which means uh, we're recording, like, literally right before you hear this. Yeah. <laughs> just a couple a of days. a bunch of reasons. <laughs> yeah. We're recording on Saturday. This comes out Tuesday. Yeah. Yep. This There's, is... Life has been an actual show. Yes. We didn't get to do this episode before we left for many various reasons. Oh, and then we want, well, primarily <laughs> several and then of we us had to do it when we got back. And then there was other stuff that happened that made that not happen. So it was like, okay, I yeah. guess we're going to just record a bunch of stuff in one weekend. So we have a very fun weekend, <laughs> but, uh, this one is pretty easy. So again, this is another mini-sode. It's our last one in the mini-sode series. Again, we do these usually for Patreon, but due to a lot of reasons, we decided to do it for the main episodes. Main episodes because they're less they're less work overall. But don't you worry, we do still have mini sodes that still need to be recorded. And for... there's ones that have been added and yep. So... Yep, for the Patreon. So that will all still come in the future. This should be the last time we're doing this. Yes. But hopefully. It's actually been kind of fun too, in a way, because some of these are really interesting. There's just not enough information for us to make a full episode out of them, yeah. but they're just really interesting. My, mine is uh, short. 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 Mine looks probably even shorter than that, but actually I think it did pretty good. Good. Nick and I talked about releasing this on social media this morning, so in case we didn't, we got engaged. Yeah. That happened on the on the cruise. Yep. So. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Wedding also, planning. If you want to hear all about the fun stuff that happened while we were gone, it'll be on the post episode for next week's yes, episode. Next week's and this you week have to be a patron to listen to that. So this week should be the last week that we do not have a post episode. Yeah. So So what are we covering today, Christy? That's still weird. It is weird. <laughs> it's because Christy's starting, so we are covering Piedmont Airlines flight fourteen eighty nine. All right. Thank you, Ash, for recommending this episode. This was a regularly scheduled flight on August 2nd. Happy birthday, Miranda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a month from now. 1989. From Washington National Airport, nowadays known as Reagan, Reagan to Columbia, South Carolina, with a stop in Charlotte. We have gotten to stop in Charlotte. Listen to the post episode next week. Why would they stop, like, literally so close to the other airport? Uh, don't ask me. I feel like that's a real weird uh, stop in Charlotte. You know, the way they used to schedule flights was really strange. There was a lot more of, they'd keep one flight number and fly it across the country all sorts of different ways. Yeah. And they would pick up people along the way, drop off people along the way. And so it allowed them to do these smaller routes without having regional aircraft. Hmm. Because regional aircraft, it's not that they weren't there, but they weren't as prevalent as they are today. Hmm. This was on a 737-400 on that note. With the registration November 413 Uniform Sierra. We will be discussing the leg from DCA to Charlotte. There were 100 passengers, despite what some of the reports said, and six crew on board. The captain aboard this flight was Captain Larry Fuda, or Fuda, unsure. 
who was 48 years old and had 14,019 hours total with 7,944 on this type. The first officer was First Officer David Curtis with no listed age or hours. Okay. Great. Yay for super short NTSB reports. Yep. The plane had been kept overnight at Washington National for an A-check before being brought to the gate. As is common practice, the captain delegated the pre-flight walk around to the first officer who completed the task, and then the passengers and bags were boarded and they were on their way. From here, the notes are rather brief, so I will add flourishes and ornamentation as I can to spice it up. As the flight began its approach to Charlotte, all was going normally until the crew extended the gear, or rather tried to. At that point, they became aware that the main landing gear were not extending. Uh-oh. SpaghettiOs. Yeah, that's... Um, yes. Yep. The crew opted to divert to Greensboro, North Carolina for two main reasons. One, less traffic. Two, same runway length. Works for me. Yep. During the diversion, they performed several maneuvers with the aircraft to use G-forces to get the gear to extend. Awesome. As we've heard about before. <laughs> yes, this is always a fun thing when they have to do this, though. It's nothing like putting your passengers through kind of some heavy G-forces to try to get it force to the landing gear to drop. Go down. Go down. This ultimately led to the right gear extending, but not the left gear. Wow. Okay, great. So the crew performed an emergency landing with the nose and right main landing gear extended and ended up having the left engine make contact with the runway. Yeah, that's what happens. Sending a shower of sparks behind them with the metal on concrete contact. Yep. All aboard were evacuated successfully with no injuries. It's because people fo probably followed directions, although I'm sure someone took their carry-on baggage off with them. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure someone did. Now this is where I start getting a lot of stuff from AP News, uh, the Associated Press. Pretty good okay. news source. The AP reports that the captain actually wasn't scheduled to fly this flight. There was to be a farewell to Piedmont party in Roanoke on Friday, August 4th, and he wanted to go. So he just picked up a flight that someone dropped. Oh. Oh. It was the captain's last flight before the merger with USA on Saturday the 5th. So Captain Feud a joke to that quote, I have made my last, my last and best landing for Piedmont. Well. Well then, to be fair, sure. Go out with a bang. Yep. The, so there's probably some people out there that are going, wait, what? Piedmont still exists. Yes, yes they do. But they are a different airline now. The name and the rights were bought by a company that I believe is wholly owned by American. I don't remember if they're wholly owned or partially owned. By American, but they're the they're the regional carrier that feeds into American. One of many, actually. This investigation was performed by the NTSB, Woo! who pretty quickly found the cause of the issue. And by quickly, I mean AP News was reporting on it the next day. Oh well, you know, they're like, "Hey, look, that landing gear. Yeah, that didn't come down. So. Right. Look at that." Once they were able to get inside the wheel well of the left main landing gear, they found a twenty-nine inch wheel chalk. Wedged, oh, be no. wedged between the wheel well and the inboard wheel, which prevented the gear from extending. Now I remember this. <laughs> this also came up very recently because there is another incident recently, actually, that didn't end badly, but where there were wheel chucks found in both wheel wells of the 737. Let me keep going. Okay. <laughs> On that note. Okay. Investigators interviewed the mechanics who recalled putting the chocks in the wheel well while repositioning the aircraft, which is against, like, everyone's policy. Yeah, don't do it. Investigators also found that the hydraulic line in the right wheel well was bent 
as though something about the size of a wheeled chalk was caught between the wheel and the hydraulic line. Investigators suspect that a chalk had also been left in that wheel well, but fell out when the flight maneuvers loosened it and the right gear extended. So it's probably sitting so in someone's backyard. They just forgot to remove the chalk. Yeah, that's from not the uh huh. Somehow, what? I, I have a question. Uh huh. So you put the chalks on there on there to keep the plane from moving overnight, right? Mm-hmm. So through taxi and all of that stuff, they just were stuck on the wheels? No, so they took them out and like just stuck their head up in the wheel well and put the chalk there. Why? You normally you're supposed to put it like on the tug. On the yeah. tug or even outside uh, like Yeah, like con- I don't understand why you put it airplane. in the airplane. Like what? Just move it away from the airplane. I don't get it. Right, that's yes, any normal ground handling would be like, yeah, of course, that's what you do. Why would you ever put it on the airplane? Why would you put it in the airplane? But for some reason, they were lazy and was like, oh, this is right here. I'll just put it up in the wheel well. Because, I mean, you can, when you stand underneath the 737, you can easily just put it in the wheel well. It's like putting it on a shelf. Yeah. That's that's not what that's designed for. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That's so dumb. Okay. So, somehow, in between the A-check and the pre-flight inspection, no one saw the chocks. Excellent. When interviewed, the captain defended the first officer, and by extension the ground crew, by saying that the chocks were black in a dark wheel well. But investigators counter that by stating in the report that the chocks were marked with yellow reflective tape. Yep, oh, as yeah. they usually are. And both the ground crew and first officer reported using a flashlight during their respective inspections. Mm-hmm. So not sure how you missed that. Mm. Not sure how... But it- also, they shouldn't be up there. Like, to be fair, they shouldn't be in the airplane. Right. So, so one of two things happened. Either they didn't check the wheel wells or they did and they really missed it. And you can't really fault them for that. I mean, you'll never know. They could just have glanced at it and been like, yep, it's good. I mean, we don't know how they missed it, but they missed it. So that's just how it is. I mean, you can't tell them, no, you didn't because uh, they did. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they did. <laughs> I don't know what else there is to that. I don't know. The airplane via AP reported that, quote, the airplane's in the hangar and we estimate it to be in service Saturday. And, quote, only the left engine housing was damaged during the landing. The 11-month-old plane's left wing and skin were unharmed. The plane's engine housing is designed to hold up during that type of emergency landing. Mm -hmm. The wing never touched the ground. The engine itself is apparently undamaged, but we will remove it and replace it and run it through a complete structural check as well. End quote. That is normal procedure. Three, what, three days to get it back in the air? That seems hasty. Well, I, I mean, mean, if they did all if the they checks, need it. I mean, too, if you have a full crew and they're working 24 hours a day, basically, on this thing, eh, it could, it's possible. They could do it. Okay. It's a lot, but they could do it. And now for the probable cause. All right. The National Transportation Safety Board determines the probable cause of this incident to be failure of the line mechanic, a check mechanic, and first officer to identify and remove the wheel chalk from the wheel well during the required inspections. Fair enough. Can they also say... Uh, the ground crew for putting them in the airplane. <laughs> yeah, that right. was not I mean, mentioned. I feel like that should be though, because like if they were never in the wheel well, this wouldn't have been a problem. And they're not supposed to be in the wheel well, right? So someone had to put them there. Exactly. <laughs> Even though like they missed them on checks, they shouldn't have been in there to begin with. So boo boo on whoever did that. Yeah, yep. it's not just that they missed it; it's that they were there. Period. Yep. Right. The aircraft, November four one three Uniform Sierra, flew until its retirement in twenty fifteen and subsequent scrapping under U.S. Airways right around the time that they merged with American Airlines. Yep, that makes sense. It was the same year, so I assume American was just like, we don't want an old 737-400, scrap yeah, it. Yeah, all of 
U.S. Airways 737s, when the merger happened, all of their 737s were still the classics. We call them the classics, yep. which are the 300s and 400s. Yeah. 500 as well, but they didn't have any. And American already had NGs. They had the 800s and... 700s. They didn't have any of those, oh. actually. They only had 800s. They've only ever had 800s. Now they have the Max 8s. Gotcha. So at the time, they were like, well, our aircraft are just so much newer, and we don't want those. But U.S. Airways did have Airbus, and American didn't. So they took all of their Airbus fleet and gave up the 737s. Gotcha. Well, there you go. That's all I got. All right. Uh, unofficial recommendation, don't put the wheel chalk in the wheel well. Yeah, it's just a bad idea. It's not a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know any... Just move it away from the aircraft. I mean, this was obviously a mistake, and this doesn't happen very often, and I don't know anybody who even thinks that's the right thing to do anymore. Like, it's just, it's just such a big, no, don't do it. Yeah. For the ramp guys that they just, I mean, they just know. You pick them up and you carry them away from the airplane. That's what you do. I, I feel like that's just common sense. They don't belong on the airplane anywhere but holding the wheels in place. That's yeah. it. Like, you put them, if you're in a GA aircraft, because we've flown with Brendan before, they go in the aircraft. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's no, I mean, when you, carry you them with you. fly somewhere else, you can chalk your own airplane. Right. Yeah, but, but with like, airliners. There's, they have them at the airport. Like, there's yeah. no reason for you to put them in the aircraft. Right. So. That's all I got. All right. Well, we're going to take a very quick break. And uh, we'll be back with uh, Nick's mini soap. Chaos. Yes. Chaos. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And we're back. All right. Now I get to make you really mad. Oh, I know this story. This is, who recommended this one? This one was Will. Will. Thanks, oh, yes. Will. So thanks, Will, for this recommendation. You, you have found one that will certainly make people very mad. Because this one didn't have a report. If it did, it was in Russian. So there was no way I was going to read that. Nope. Not even going to try to translate it either. Because I think the last time we did that, we ended up with electricity. Yep. And turtles. That was from Chinese, <laughs> though. I did one that was translated from Russian, but it there was still a it's lot of mistakes. It's not good. Yeah, it's yeah. not. doesn't usually go well. So where did you get all your sources? So this one was all from Wikipedia pretty much entirely, and then the Aviation Safety Network. Okay. However, between the two, there were a little bit of differing information, so that was interesting. I mean, that's going to happen with Wikipedia, period. Well, like on, yeah. on mine, most reports said 100 people on board and six crew, but some said 94 people on board and six crew, right. which would make 100. This one didn't really have a problem with the numbers so much, but it, like one would have more detail in one part, and then the other one would have more detail in a different part. But then there was a couple of places where there was differing information. Gotcha. We'll get there. Anyways, today we're talking about Aeroflot Flight 6502. I think someone else also tried to recommend this to us. Sorry, I don't remember who you are. If you did, thank you anyways, because you know our style. This is, <laughs> this is a good one. And honestly, I wish I did have an English report for this, because this would be so much more interesting if I had so much more information. Yeah. But we'll go with it anyways. Official information. Yes. So this flight took place on August 20th of 1986. 
This was a Tupolev TU-134, which I don't think we've talked about the 134 before. We've talked about the 154, which is the bigger version. They're both tri-jets, but this one, it's much smaller. It's actually comparable in size to most regional jets. Oh, weird. Kind of. It's It holds a few more people than most regional jets, but it's pretty small. It's a tiny airplane okay. in actuality. It stands up pretty tall. One of the most peculiar things about the T-134 is that it has a glass dome nose cone. That's weird. For a modern jet airliner, which, not super modern, but for a modern jet airliner, that's kind of really strange. Tupolev did this on a lot of their prop birdies, but they still put it on the T-134, and they put, I believe it was the Navigator, down weird. in the glass-domed area. Weird. And, and so... This airplane doesn't have a center pedestal between the captain and the first officer. It has the entrance into... Weird! Look up a picture of the cockpit. It is the weirdest thing. I'm looking it up right now. It's the craziest thing. The airplane is kind of unassuming on the outside. Like, it doesn't really look that particular. It looks a little weird. Yeah, well, The the nose looks weird. It's it's Soviet-era weird. (laughs) So, So, where are the throttles? Yes. I don't remember if they're in the overhead or if they each have a set. It looks like they're overhead. Okay. On very, very few airplanes in the world, there's multiple sets of throttle controls for the pilots. Yeah, it looks overhead. And there's fans. Yes, there's fans on most. Yeah, they put, they still put those on Antonovs, the fans in the cockpit. Anyway, go look up pictures, or we have them. I don't yeah. know. It's kind of the craziest thing, like the weird navigator bubble down in the front. Yeah. Also, everything's so teal. Yeah, that's which, very typical of Soviet-era aircraft. Which I'm here for. Yeah, all Soviet-era aircraft usually had teal cockpits. It's just the way that they had the metal. So anyways, this one had the registration of, are you ready? Because <laughs> Soviet registrations are fun. Charlie, 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 Papa, dash 65766. Good God. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> and they were all this way. Because <sighs> this was Soviet Union. This was a flight from... Sverdlovsk, which is now a Kettering a Kettering something like that, to Kuybyshev, which is now Samara, much easier names, (laughs) to Grozny, which is still Grozny. (laughs) Okay. So, we will be talking about the leg from Sverdlovsk to Kuybyshev, Kuybyshev, something like that. I'm trying my best, okay? He's we don't Ita- speak he's, Russian. He's Italian, not Russian. That's right. Captain for the flight is Alexander Kluyev. I don't have any uh, ages or hours for any of them. I don't have any of that, so we're just going with names. That's all I've got. First officer is Gennady Zhirnov, or Zhirinov. The navigator is Ivan Makonko. And the flight engineer is Kuri Kamzatov. I'm Excellent. Pr- I'm proud of you. They're all very... Russian. 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 This is Aeroflot. This is a domestic Russian route. Russian flute. So yeah. all of this is to be expected. For the first leg of the journey, 87 passengers and 7 crew boarded the flight. So, like I said, it's not a very big airplane, but still a handful of people. The flight departed Sverdlovsk at 2.33 p.m. local time. The aircraft climbed to altitude normally to its cruising altitude, and carried out the cruise portion of the flight normally before beginning descent to Kuybyshev at 3.31 p.m. As the flight got closer to the airport, the air traffic controller suggested that the flight carry out an NDB approach, 
which is a form of instrument approach, but it's not a precision approach. Isn't NDB non-directional beacon? Correct. Haha, I learned things. Non-directional beacon. So this is usually, this is a non-precision approach, but it's still a form of instrument approach just to get you basically to minimums where you can see the runway. Gotcha. So it's a useful instrument approach, no doubt. They're still used. It's just a non-precise. Right. Wasn't So this was the suggestion of the air traffic controller. Okay. The flight crew agreed to carry out an instrument approach for landing. The flight crew set up the aircraft for an approach to runway 15 at Kuibyshev. As they began the approach, they were a bit above the glide slope, but still within the margins to make the landing no issue. As the flight reached the minimum descent point, the captain made the decision to continue the approach normally. Moments later, the flight crossed the threshold of the runway at just 10 meters, or about 30 feet. Normally, we'd be crossing the threshold about mm, 80 or above. So, we're a little low. Just a bit. Just about two seconds later, the aircraft struck the ground super hard, 132 meters past the runway threshold, so they're on the runway. Yeah. Moving at 150 knots, which is mm, a little fast maybe for this airplane, but not entirely. But how hard exactly? 4.8 G's hard. Oh my God. How did they not pop tires? Um, As the airplane struck the ground at a high rate of descent. Immediately upon striking the ground so hard, the left wing collapsed. Oh no. (laughs) Even worse. Even worse. And fell from the airplane with fuel immediately spilling and catching fire. Oh my God. (laughs) Things get very dramatic. Yeah, no, they didn't just burst tires. Oh, God. The rest of the airplane slid down the runway in flames, rolling over, coming to rest past the end of the runway on the other end. Oh, good grief. (laughs) Upside down. Oh, God. (laughs) Much of the airplane burned and was severely damaged. Once the airplane came to rest, the flight crew began helping survivors evacuate the airplane. Oh, they're survivors. Yes. On board were 14 school children. Oh, oh no. gosh. Who all managed to survive. Oh, oh thank hey. God. <laughs> <laughs> this is a roller coaster. <laughs> the first officer assisted survivors before collapsing himself. Oh. He was then taken to the hospital, but was determined to have passed away en route due Ooh. to cardiac arrest. Oh, He well. had a heart attack from the shock. Can you blame him? No. <laughs> Again, I don't know how old any of them are, so I who's to say? I would have a heart attack. In total, four crew and 66 passengers perished in the accident, leaving the remaining three crew and 22 passengers alive. I don't know within the crew if it was any of the flight deck crew, if it was the cabin crew. I have to assume it probably was mostly cabin crew. I believe the airplane burned primarily rear forward, Mm. since that's where the flames kind of went first. Mm -hmm. The wings were also pretty rear mounted on this airplane, so... That's would make more sense to me. But that's all the information it gave. So, what happened? <sighs> I don't know who the investigative body was, but we have to assume some form of Soviet Russian government entity. Well, this was one this one was pretty quick to be determined. This is so dumb. As the crew gave details to investigators in short order. Because they didn't really have much of a choice. See, at the time that the air traffic controller had instructed the flight to perform the NDB approach to runway 15, a conversation was had in the cockpit between the flight crew. Or more importantly, a bet. That never goes well. The captain, who was the pilot flying at the time, 
placed a bet to the other flight crew members that he could perform an instrument landing, quote-unquote, blind. What does this mean? Well, this airplane was equipped with a very peculiar feature that most airplanes don't have or have ever had. Because or it's would ever have. stupid! This airplane had window shades on the cockpit windows. What? And they're motorized. Why? At that. So, yeah, exactly. The shades were lowered at the beginning of the approach, and the captain began performing the approach normally using the instruments. They claimed that this was also some sort of training, quote-unquote. No. With no. passengers on board? No, yeah. thank you. No, that seems to be very suspect. I don't think that would ever be the case. You do, like, when you do instrument practice, they do what we call put you under the hood, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. They have special glasses or literally a hood that they put over your head that basically blocks your view out the window and forces you to look at the instruments. But, but you don't do this during a commercial flight with passengers. Right. And, and blind everyone in the cockpit. And actually perform the landing. Right. Exactly. So, there's some... So some of the differing information between the sources was, one, whether or not this actually was claimed to be a training exercise. I saw that on the ASN, so that was peculiar. Uh, The other thing was that the window shades were only lowered on the captain's side and not the first officer's, but from the way that this accident took place, I have to believe that they were all down. Yeah, because you would think that someone would have spoke up and like, hey, stupid. Yes. However, the navigator... There's not exactly window shades on all them bubble windows, because if you look at it, there's a lot of them. So, I have a feeling he might not have been looking out the window. I have a feeling he also might not have lived. Not sure. That is also very possible. Because if it, if it rolled, and he's encapsulated in glass, yeah. he might have gotten ejected. I, I, yeah. I have a hard time with that, because I don't know. As the airplane descended... The terrain alerts did begin to sound in the cockpit. So why didn't you do anything? Which were ignored by all of the crew. Which, okay. Oh my God. Listen, if you were doing this correctly, the terrain alerts would not be going off. Exactly. Like, if you were, like, landing the aircraft the way you're supposed to, even if you're not looking, no alerts should be going off in the cockpit. Exactly. Yep. The alerts occurred as the aircraft was close to the runway. So maybe go around? Right. As they neared the touchdown point, the flight engineer planned to open the window shades so that they had visuals with the runway once they landed, so that they could taxi out, all that stuff. So he basically was going to pull the window shades up just before the point of touchdown, because he apparently has access to the motorized whatever. Whatever. So that was the plan, and he did this. However, it was only one second before touchdown. That he activated the motorized shades. And those can't be, like, instant pull-up. It's probably slow. Yeah, probably. The captain did not notice or have time to react to the rapid descent rate so close to the runway before the destructive impact. The crew were blamed for the accident. Yeah. But the captain specifically was prosecuted and and eventually charged with 15... I thought he died. He did not. No, the first officer died. Oh, okay. The first officer eventually died, but the captain did not... He was prosecuted and charged with 15 years in prison, which eventually was reduced to six. Why? I don't know. He was apparently a model prisoner. <laughs> so We can't really say much because we do that here, too. I know. So. And that's the whole of it. But that is just insane to me. I, You know what I don't get is, like, I, 
Men are stupid. Sorry. It's true. No, it's true. <laughs> Everyone in that cockpit. How three, the three people. Uh-huh. Right. And the fourth. Uh-huh. Well, the fourth. I don't know. Because if the navigator is probably underneath the cockpit, They're right? probably yelling, though. I don't know. Well, I don't know if he was part of the bed, though. I don't know if we'd ever know. Anyway, they all went, yeah. That sounds great like a great idea. idea. I'll take that bet. I'll just yep. put my life in danger. And all of these people. This sounds like a great idea to be doing on a flight with passengers on it. Yep. What could go wrong? Right. I just don't understand the the whole group mentality thing that was happening there. Like, I would be like, are you f***ing stupid? No. Do you want to kill us? Because that's what happened. Right. It's insane. I can't, I can't fathom even considering such a stupid idea. Like, I'm surprised the other people, I mean, the first officer had passed away, but like the flight engineer wasn't also prosecuted because they let compliant. it happen. They let it happen. Right. Aided and abetted manslaughter. So I don't understand why he was also not prosecuted for the fact that people died in this accident. Well, I guess we don't know if he lived. That's true. I guess because we, we don't have the official report, but I mean, it's good that the captain did get prosecuted because that was totally his fault. It was a hundred percent his fault. Yep. And recommendations are don't be don't stupid. Do don't have shades that can go down and block the cockpit. Yeah, this view. is just not a good idea. I don't understand why you have shades on an aircraft to begin with. The first time I heard about this flight, it, they made it sound like curtains. I'm like, that what? Shades make a little more sense, but still really don't make sense. I I, I just, like, when you're flying, you're supposed to be able to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and not just be able to see, but, like, avoid any problems, no matter what. I mean, that's just... It's, see and <clears throat> avoid is still a thing. I don't like how high you are. <laughs> Landing is still a critical point. It's probably the, the, most, critical, the most critical point of flight. And so... It's just a bad idea. It's all just a bad idea. I feel really bad for the navigator who probably just watched the ground rush up to him. Yeah, it was. But he also experience. didn't say anything. We don't know that he didn't say anything. I guess that's true. We don't know but... much. That's kind of why this is a mini-sode, because we don't know much. We don't know what they said, what happened, what else might have been destroyed. I assume the rest of the gear collapsed. I don't know. I feel like when you're hitting the ground that hard, it's like... Yeah. Since the wing came off, right. yeah, I would assume that well, that would be the if case. If you ever look at these airplanes, they look like they're on stilts. Like, they're up, they're tall. Like, this landing gear, I can't imagine with that much G-force would withstand that. Just would buckle. This There's, was, like, no way. This was such a tragic and unnecessary loss of life. It's like the whole freaking, the flagship one. Where they're like, let's get yeah. high, bro. Like, no. Not that high and not that high. <laughs> I'm not, yep. I'm not, if you haven't listened to that episode, by the way, I'm not talking about smoking weed getting high. I'm no, but that's about, what they sound like. That's what they sounded like. But according I'm, to the records, they were not. They just decided to make a dumb decision like these few people did. I felt, and, I felt your hesitation to not <laughs> swear. And they went all the way up to like the service ceiling of an aircraft, but then they didn't know how to actually fly the aircraft that right. high. And then a whole, I mean, I'm going to let you go. If you haven't listened to that, that's episode, episode, go listen to that, that episode. That's episode 62 for reference. Go yep. listen to get, listen to Miranda get mad. Yeah. This one, 
The only reason that they didn't end up in the Darwin Awards is because, because it, it killed other people. Well, it didn't kill them. No. Which is the qualification for a Darwin Award. It must kill the perpetrator. Oh. And not kill other people. I'm pretty sure that's another qualification for a Darwin Award. Usually. Yep. Yeah, but there were people on this aircraft, which also is just like, I can't even imagine why you'd even like have a bet like that with other people on board. That's just selfish. You're only yeah. thinking about yourself. Yeah. You have a, at least, what, we do we know how many passengers were on board? 87. 87. You have 87 other people's lives that are in your hands, including the people in the cockpit right. with you. Well, and Never, then- never, ever bet anything on airplane operation. And I hesitate to frame it this way, but the Soviets and the Russians, by extension, are known for being honorable. Yeah. Despite everything else, they have a sense of honor. Right. So why would they do such a thing? Just being stupid. They're also known for being a little laxed in the aviation safety department. So I, I, I don't care. This is like a different kind of stupid. Yes, I agree. I do. Anyway, anyway, thanks, Will, for recommending that. Yep. Um, Thank you for tuning in to the last of the Minisode series. We will continue your regularly scheduled programming next week. Yep. Yep. It won't be a long episode. Nope. But it'll it, be an episode. It's not. That's right. Commercial. is GA, I think. Yes. Yes, it technically. Yeah. It's a, well, it might be a charter. I think it is a oh, charter. Oh, whatever. It's not 121. No. It's Correct. Not. But it is still going to be main episode material and there'll be a post episode like we said before so a long post episode oh it's we got so long <laughs> three weeks of vacation we to gotta get through talk about yep and there are some spicy stuff in there <laughs> you, you might recall we were not supposed to go to charlotte at any point but we did yeah that that was a thing people at charlotte are si- kind of nice well we'll talk about it <laughs> Yep. Christy's already given this stuff away. It's fine. Anyway. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already and you want to check out the stuff included with Patreon, we just sent out merch to everybody. I know we said we would do that beforehand, but it got it just crazy. Didn't happen. And you probably didn't want Rona germs on your stuff. Yeah. So So it's sent now. It's sent. Good. Everything's sent. Life's we'll, back to normal. We'll send ducks out soon too. We need to get more ducks. We right. ran out of ducks. We should have gotten more ducks in Amsterdam. Yeah, that would have been expensive though. And more weight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean we can just get them here on Amazon. I know. We'll so. order the right ones, it's fine. But we'll send out ducks whenever we get ducks back. And then like I said, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, we do have... <laughs> I'm going to read this because it makes me laugh. Uh, we already read it before, actually, but um, it's a listener question that isn't a listener question. You sent it to us on uh, when we were on vacation, but uh, it's from Mandy, and <laughs> she said that it was about episode seven, which is China... Airlines Flight 611, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which had to do with fatigue and whatever. But she's like, yep. and every other episode that has to do with fatigue. And I was like, great. And she was like, not really a question, actually. But my staple remover just broke at work. And it's one of those little alligator mouth ones. And thanks to your podcast, I can confidently say the cause was fatigue cracking at the fulcrum of the spring lever thing. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the informative podcast you know you're very welcome i'm assuming it was a straight edge not a jagged edge yep there you go there you go there you go there's there's your learned something uh forensic mechanical analysis ah yes putting it to work in the office <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so much for listening guys uh, we know this is a little bit short but we appreciate it and we will get you back to all the regular stuff next week
Keep your speed up. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hard Landings Podcast and on Twitter at Hard Landings Pod. Subscribe and leave a five-star review on the platform you are using to listen. If you would like to see photos and sources for this episode, please visit us at heartlandingspodcast.com, where you can also leave us feedback and ask questions. This episode was researched and written by Nick and Christy. Our theme song was written by Miranda and performed by all three of us, plus Leo. And our logo is by Naomi from Not a Monster, Not a Boogeyman. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.